I am Chalky van der Merwe, admin clerk of AVG CrossFit and Bubiji Karate. I'm also known as the Castle-like King. My skills include remembering one-liners from movies and lifting more than most girls at the gym. Nick Chalmers, coach at ATG CrossFit, karate instructor at Bubishi Karate, possible vampire and master of dad jokes. Hi, I'm Kyle Chalmers, vertically challenged and horizontally encouraged head coach of ATG CrossFit. And you're listening to Gym Owner Jams. Welcome to another episode of Gym Owner Jams. Today, we'll chat to our weekly competition winner at ATG CrossFit. Then we'll go into our superhero of the week. We'll also have a little chat about programming your own workouts during this lockdown period, the importance of competition, what is on your TV, and we'll end it off with Nick's legendary dad joke. So to start it off today, we're going to invite Melissa van Nieuwenhuizen into the conversation. She's our winner of last week's lockdown competition. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing? Good, and you? Fantastic. So congratulations on winning last week's uh, competition. I know you had a, a big assist there from your husband, uh, Stryker. Um, yes, thanks. How's lockdown been treating you? Good, but it's becoming very long now. But it's been good. Um, in terms of the competition, has the competition helped to motivate you to keep training? Has it given you uh, some goals uh, to train for? Or has that been something separate alongside what you've been doing? Yes, definitely, because so before I decided to actually try and win this last week, I haven't been logging my scores or anything, but now since I've won or well, yeah, and now I actually started logging my scores no matter what, because it's actually fun to see like where you are at, you know? 100%. And and Melissa, are there any specific highs or lows that you've had uh, during lockdown? I know... Uh, my definite low would be living with Striker for six weeks. But uh, <laughs> any other highs and lows that you can chat about? Um, highs, I would say, like, we're training much harder now because we don't have anything else to do, basically. <laughs> um, um, lows would be, like, I, I'm not able to see my girls. I can't see my mother. I can't see my father. I can't see my friends. But... Yeah, that's a, yeah, my English has gone out the window. Sorry. <laughs> Trust me, your English is better than Chalky's has been over the last few weeks. So we're quite proud so far. Listen, Ish. I'm just, uh, you know, you, you sit at home, you only speak Afrikaans and you don't realize yeah. that it's going out the window and then you turn it on and it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, I'm curious to know how you guys have your job specifically. Have you guys done anything? How has it been influenced? Can you do anything online? Yeah, so we're basically also doing Zoom classes. But it's a bit difficult because like me as a gymnastics coach, like we basically have to touch the kids to correct their body posture. But now it's hard. So telling them to fix something, they don't quite understand how if you're not physically touching them. So, yeah, it's hard, but we're trying to make the best out of the situation. And uh, equipment-wise, surely there's a lot of sort of equipment stuff that goes into what you guys do. What are they, do the kids have stuff at home or is it just, you're just no, using so stuff? 
Yeah, like I told them if we want to do like weighted squats for conditioning and stuff, I'll ask them to fill up the heaviest water bottle they have or yeah, take a shoe like you guys have been doing. But we basically don't use that much equipment because it's mainly like body weight stuff. So yeah, I just up the rep scheme and then we had like sent out home programming stuff for them to do weekly but I can actually see which girls have been doing them and then which girls haven't been doing them. Melissa, I assume that uh, in terms of uh, gymnastics, the competitive season um, with, with some of those girls has probably been put on hold for the, the foreseeable future. So what sort of goals have they got ahead of them, you know, your, your gymnastics girls to be able to attack in the next few weeks or months, should we say? Yeah, um, like I give them goals every like after every coaching session, I tell them, okay, your goal for the next session is to try and achieve this certain skill. And then they'll literally work that skill for the whole week till we see each other again. But competitions and everything has been cut down till I think December we'll start competing. If so, I don't actually know what's going to happen. But skill-wise, they're going to be struggling and they're going to come back much weaker and well, I wouldn't say weaker, but the skills will not be there anymore. I think on the gym side, that's the same. I think, Carl, you can program a friend on the first week back or something like that. You see how bad we, because I think we all think we're training like uh, games athletes at the moment. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> when we get back in this competition, we got to die. <laughs> and you're going to do a friend and everyone's going to leave their shoulders on the pull-up bar. That's not a good idea. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us and congratulations at least I'm, I see you are still uh, close to the top this week as well so it wasn't just a one week wonder uh, thanks for joining us you're thanks. welcome thanks guys on to our next segment for this week our superhero of the week this comes from a, a young karate student of ours Shiloh Retief he decided to donate his pocket money to the dojo to assist some of the students that can't pay for the month. We think that's really awesome from, for someone of his age to do that. Um, Shiloh, well done. We are sure there are a lot of people like you that are looking for ways to get their, their friends to keep active. Uh, so well done and good job. Okay, so onto our body of today's podcast, we're going to ch chat about a couple of things. Um, the biggest thing we want to cover is uh, how we how you should be programming your own workouts at home. Uh, a lot of us are following programs. I think, for example, we have the CrossFit programming, but I do think that other programs get involved and people nitpick some of the workouts from Instagram, from what the superstars are doing. Love to get your guys' take because you are much better at this than I would ever be. Uh, Carl, do you want to maybe start? Yeah, I think the, the main thing there is um, volume. It's quite concerning to see how much volume a lot of people are doing in their own programming. Um, you know, more is not necessarily better. You need to make sure that you're working on quality. So I think if there was one thing I would suggest uh, when it comes to programming your own workout is to work on a weakness of some sort, to work on something. Um, this will 
generally stop you from overdoing it. And it'll also stop you from uh, doing multiple things or multiple repetitions of the same work, uh, the same sort of thing. And also you've got to understand that you can't, you know, there's lots of uh, movements that overlap one another. We've had plenty of these uh, discussions, the three of us before, there's lots of movements that overlap with one another. So for example, saying, okay, well, I did 250 air squats in my home workout and in the class workout earlier, I did 25 overhead squats. Um, there's going to be a massive carryover. I know it sounds uh, self-explanatory, but there's a good chance of injury and things like that if you're overdoing it. So with the extra time, I think you just need to be a little bit smarter about what you program. Uh, I don't know, Nick, if you have anything else you think you should be, they should be trying to do? Yeah, I think if you, if you look at that, there's always a sliding scale, right? So you've got uh, volume versus intensity playing up against each other the whole time. So often we get confused and we say, right, let's add a bunch of volume of whatever movement into a workout or let's create these long workouts that take us an hour to do. But we don't realize that because of this factor, our intensity drops significantly because it's not possible to keep up a high heart rate, to keep it going for 60 minutes with every kind of workout that you're doing. So you are getting a sacrifice within that, you know, and sometimes the stimulus is not going to work out the way you want it to work out, you know, doing 100 squats that's going to take you 10 minutes versus doing 20 or 30 squats that are going to take you two minutes, you might get a different stimulus from that and you might get more results from the high intensity work than you do from the, long, the longer uh, volume related uh, setup. That's not always the case, but it's something to think about it in terms of sort of varying your workouts up. You know, you don't want to every day, you don't want to walk, be walking into a 40 minute EMOM or something. You know, you might have that once a week or once every two weeks, but you want to stay to that parameter of getting your intensity up. And I think that's where people need to look at it is don't be afraid to use classical uh, CrossFit workouts. Use your benchmarks. There's a reason why these benchmarks are between five and seven minutes. Some of them are between seven and 15 minutes. You know, this is the kind of uh, uh, CrossFit intensity that you're going to get more results out of on a regular basis. So but I think... I find myself, when I try to set up a workout, you almost think that if you put two little reps in there, you're not going to get that, uh, like you said, that intensity. But I mean, most of the times, the worst workouts I've done is a domain of around five minutes. Um, how do you program a five-minute workout? I mean, you know, I struggle with that, and I think I'm not the only one. We feel, like you said, we feel it's volume over intensity. But do you pick certain movements? Um, do you pick so, a scheme? So there's many ways. There's lots and lots of ways to do this, obviously. But two of the main ways. One is you're either doing a workout for fatigue um, or building capacity in, in some sort. So what I, the best way to explain this is, for instance, if you were doing a handstand EBOM, then you're repeatedly doing the same movement to try and build capacity in your shoulder pressing strength or whatever that is, right? The other workout, and this is what majority of people are doing, but they're not surely understanding, especially the members that I've seen that have been posting their workouts so frequently is um, when, you, when you're explaining a work, when you're doing a, a workout, the beauty in CrossFit is the, first of all, the multiple time domain. So like you said, short workouts, longer workouts and then even longer after that for the 20 minute plus workouts 
you need to make sure that you working major you working majority in the shorter time domains, like Nicholas said, because you can maintain that um, intensity. But I think where people need to focus a little bit more is they need to realize that each movement you put in a workout, your best though the goal is not to have those those movements interfere with one another. For example, if your idea is not to build shoulder capacity, you're not going to put handstand push-ups and shoulder to overhead and I don't know, pike push-ups, for example, in one workout. You know, that would be more of an EMOM format where you're trying to build that strength. You're giving yourself a little bit of rest in between. Maybe you're working on the handstand push-ups after that as a, as a fatigue after the fact. You're trying to build the capacity under fatigue. But mainly, majority of people, when they're programming, your goal is just to get a good sweat, right? It's to get a good, um, good workout out of it. And I think you can walk away from a workout feeling that it didn't go so well if you put a whole bunch of workouts that interfere with one another. So you've got to be a little bit smart about what you put together. Um, you know, movements that you wouldn't think interfere with each other actually do. Things like uh, cleans will interfere with your handstand push-ups because it's fatiguing your shoulders in that front rack position. Things like your thrusters will affect uh, any sort of pressing movement because your shoulders are fatigued from pressing. So you need to make sure that whatever you do doesn't have a negative impact on the next movement, especially if you want to do a short workout, because the goal is to try and keep that intensity. I think also another point to add to that is it's not always necessary to reinvent the wheel. I think people always feel like they have to design their own workouts because that's just what you do and you need to come up with something original. There's, it's not necessary to, be, to have artistic flair when it comes to your programming. If you want to achieve a certain result, a lot of it has been done before, you know, and a lot of things are out there. Thousands of combinations of movements of couplets and triplets and things that go together and work organically well. And these things you can take cues from. So don't be afraid to take a workout that's been done before and try to figure out why they're doing the workout in such a way. Why are they doing it in this time domain? What is the goal for the workout? And that's quite an important thing. Just doing a workout for the sake of it, you're not understanding why you're doing it. If you're copying um, a games athlete, for example, read a little bit up on what the movements are about and go and see why they are doing those movements at a particular time. There's a specific reason why they've added these two movements together or why they've decided to do it in this time domain or like Kyle says, why they've decided to put it in an EMOM format. They're trying to generate a, a particular result from the workout, okay? But a good baseline is to look at these set workouts or workouts that have been done by the more experienced people and take those as your first cue. Then you can take those baselines and you can start to substitute movements in and out that are pretty similar, right? So for example, if you don't have a pull-up bar, you can substitute that for ring rows or bent over rows or something like that. And slowly but surely you start to learn what sort of movements create a similar effect or a similar stimulus within them. And those are the movements that you can interchange throughout your workouts, okay? For me, it's a nice thing to pick a goal or a specific line to follow, you know? For example, like we do cycles where we will have a strength cycle for a number of weeks and our goal is to get stronger. We can have a fitness cycle where our goal is to try and build up that capacity. You know, we can have a gymnastic cycle, which is all skill-based, and that's our goal. Then you can start to tailor your little workouts around these factors, and you can start to say, right, in the gym, in the box, when I've been training previously, I haven't been able to go 
for longer periods of time before I need to have a break or my intensity is way down. I feel like my lungs are on fire. I feel like I'm coughing up a lung every time I do exercise. Then you start to say, right, what is my goal? I want to get fitter. I want to build up my capacity. I want to build up my engine. Then you can start to look and say, right, what sort of workouts, what are the people doing around the world that are going to build up my capacity? And that again can go from that five minute domain all the way through the 20, 20 plus minute domain, depending on what you're trying to do, you know? And that's how you're gonna to start to pick your movements. You're gonna to start to pick movements based on what you need. Sometimes you need to improve a particular skill, but sometimes you just need to work hard. And just working hard means taking a simple movement and just putting your foot on the gas and getting it to push you as hard as possible. I think on, on what you just mentioned now, Nick, I think it's quite important to realize that like you said, they're trying to get a certain stimulus out of a workout. A majority of those athletes, especially someone that you're going to pull a workout from, 90% of them are professional athletes, right? So this is their job. They spent six hours a day in the gym or four hours a day in the gym. Even now with lockdown, they're still training at home three to four hours longer because they have access to a private gym at their own house, for example. So for you to take a workout, remember you're only taking a portion of what they're doing. And you're only doing what you think you should be doing. Remember, their intensity varies in every single workout they do. Their coaches told them, attack this workout in this certain way. And I think that is quite important. Most people, when you attack a workout, if you don't have a goal in mind, and you're just aimlessly going through a workout, you're not gonna see any progression and you're kinda wasting your time. Um, and, and this is the thing with constantly doing these long, hour-long workouts and stuff like that. Yes, you are going to get a little bit fitter, but your body, it's like anything. Your body adapts to the stimulus. If you're running 5Ks every single day, eventually there's a roof, all right? Eventually you hit the, the top. You have to change the stimulus up to get better at that move or to get better at that run, for example. So try your best, in, in my opinion, to if, if you can just start programming a workout with a goal in mind, for example... I really want to hang on to be able to do 21 thrusters uh, unbroken every single time I get back to my dumbbell in this workout. You will get better at doing thrusters every single time because you'll be working on trying to hold onto that dumbbell. But if your goal is just to go faster and get fitter, then well, you're just going to attack the workout mindlessly. You may not get any result out of that workout. So I think the goal is super important. I think for some people, sorry, Chalks, to jump in there. I think for some people, it's also, I mean, we've got to remember we, we also want to have fun, okay? So we don't need to go completely the other way and say, right, results, results, results. Sometimes you just want to get in there, you just want to sweat, you just want to let off a little bit of steam, and that's okay too, and that's a good time to grab somebody's workout, jump in with it, have a bit of fun, do those movements that you enjoy. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's some days where you might not get that full intensity, but it's just good for you to move, okay? But like Kyle says, you know, it depends on what your goals are. If you are in a situation where you want to really achieve something, then you need to do a little bit of research. And there's a reason why programming in itself is a little bit of a science because um, there, there's a plan. And like Kyle said before, these professional athletes that we're following have this big picture and we only get a 5% uh, look at what the big picture is all about. So we copy that 5% and we start to see, right, it's not working for us the same way. And you start to see if you keep compounding the same movement over and over and over again, I tell the clients this all the time, 
you know, our gym members, especially the guys looking to improve their gymnastics. You get this bee in your bonnet and you say to yourself, right, I want to become better at handstand push-ups. So what do you do? You get on your hands every single day for three weeks. What happens? You tear your shoulder out. Then CrossFit's a problem. Then gymnastics is a problem. There must be something wrong with the programming. No, it's the application of the programming that's been the problem. You need to understand that your body needs rest as well. Your body needs to, as Carl was explaining before, that constantly varied stimulus, which is going to get the results, is going to shock your body out of what its current rut is. So understanding that putting things in the right place can make all the difference in terms of how your results are going to play out at the end of the day. And that, that leads on to my next uh, question, because I, I see a lot of people, of, say, for example, following the gyms program on the one side, and then they either doing an additional workout a day that they program themselves or they nitpick of Instagram or they follow a different program. And I, I want to understand the risks there um, because surely there are risks for you to do all of a sudden jump from seven workouts a week to 14. And if some of those are similar, uh, similar muscle groups, I mean, what is the risk and what can you do to, to mitigate these risks? I think, the main, the, 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 there's massive risks in that, especially in this lockdown time that we have, because there are only a select few uh, movements, well, not movements, but movement patterns that people can do simply because they have limited access to certain things. So you tend to find yourself doing a lot of lunges. You tend to find yourself doing a lot of squats, uh, a lot of presses. And these presses can be in the form of just pressing overhead, or it can be thrusters, or it can be push-ups or it can be handstand push-ups, these tend to compound. And if you're doing pressing every single day, there's a good chance you could run into a little bit of an overuse injury. So I think, like you say, the, the risk is just overuse and not understanding how to vary it so that you're not using the same muscle groups the whole time and, and injuring the same thing. I think the, 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 the main factors that you need to realize is also that your body doesn't get stronger and your body doesn't get fitter while you're training. You're breaking your body down. It's that recovery that brings you back up. Your body needs that time to recover and come back to being better than it was. So if you think about it this way, if you were getting fitter by doing one workout every single day and, and working the whole day and then sleeping at night and every single day you came to the gym and you're getting fitter, now you're adding a second stress or a stimulus to your body that your body needs that extra time to recover from you're just going to diminish the returns, right? You're not actually going to get that much fitter. I think that's important. I think when it comes to programming these workouts, and that's why I would hazard or like to say to any member that wants to do this, try your best to work on a weakness of some sort, okay? One, because if you're working on that weakness in your second session, generally, you're not going to want to do that every single day because you're going to be fatigued from it the previous day. And then secondly, when you're working on a weakness, you can lower the intensity. You can do a lot more skill-based stuff. It's still going to get you fitter. It's still going to get you stronger, but you're not necessarily going to need the same amount of time to recover from what you would a high-intensity workout. So I think the, the, a lot can be said for that, um, you know, understanding that it's a full package. You know what I mean? When you're talking about multiple sessions in a day, you want to look at the fact that training is not the only part of this puzzle. 
And putting in another session shouldn't necessarily mean breaking another sweat every time, okay? You've got, like Kyle touched on, the recovery processes. So doing a second session of mobility is probably going to go further than doing another heavy intensity, same stimulus kind of movement training that you did in the morning, for example. You're going to get more results. Concentrating on your eating and sleeping. You know, we take these things for granted, but these factors are just as important, if not more important than your training when it comes to the full package of how your muscles are developing and how much fitter you get. You know, if you don't sleep, your body is not getting the, the recovery time to be able to process all that muscle breakdown. Okay. So you go back into the gym, you keep compounding on these half work muscles, you keep compounding on this problem and you start to see that you develop into injury instead of result. And this is where we've got to be quite smart about it. If you want to do more than one session a day, like Carl says, break it up into completely different factors. You have one high intensity session, then you look at your movements and you can do one lower intensity skill-based session, for example. These types of things might complement each other better. But I wouldn't recommend doing two sessions every day, six or seven days a week, just because you're bored. Rather than take an hour and start stretching, take an hour and start digging into the weakness part, which is for all of us CrossFitters, mobility. And all of that type of thing that we don't get chance to work on, now's the time to spend that hour mobilizing, do a little bit of yoga, focus on- Or take an hour and have a nap. Have a nap. Most people don't sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but most people don't sleep a full seven hours. No one really has the time now to sleep seven hours. Um, especially now when you can be contacted at any time over the internet, like we have been in, in these, um, in the, obviously with the lockdown, you know, take that hour, get a rest in sleep extra, just relax, make sure that you're doing properly. I think also a lot of people don't realize, but, um, a lot of the, a lot of the athletes that you follow and things like that, remember they are posting workouts and stuff every single day, but that's because they have sponsors. They have, you know, they've, they've got to keep up an image. They're not training every single day. You know, they, they're taking at least two, two days, whether that's uh, one in the middle of the week and one at the end of the week, or if they're taking the whole weekend off, there are days where they just sit. I mean, if you go, you can go and watch any one of uh, Matt, uh, Matt Frazier's videos where they chatted to him on YouTube. He's got full days in a week where he literally just sits on the floor and stretches and watches TV all day. There is no training involved in that at all. So I think your, your recovery is very, very important. And uh, I think most people, if you just adjusted your intensity in the one workout that you did and you really gave it everything you had or worked to a plan, you'll be way more happy with the results than if you half efforting two workouts a day. Absolutely. Totally agree with that sentiment. And then now... We, we, we're done with the programming and, uh, you know, recovery and that uh, I'm keen to know the importance of competition specifically in a time like this, but more generally working towards a goal, I guess. Uh, it's not necessarily just lockdown, but I think lockdown, it's very important to be working to something. We have an internal competition where we give uh, members a weekly prize for doing certain things. Um, it's like a wellness challenge, but there's also last man standing as a competition running at the moment. What are your guys' take, Nick? We can start with you. What is your take on the importance of these type of competitions? So I have a very mixed view when it comes to these things because uh, 
you know, from the outset, you would always say that it's a fantastic thing to do competitions. And, and for the most part, I agree with that because it gives you a benchmark. It gives you something to aim for. It gives you a goal to attack. And it also gives you a, a platform to see where you stand, you know. And these are fantastic markers for your self-confidence. They're great markers for um, your training protocols and your programming, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we've got to remember that these things are person-specific. You have a certain type of person who responds very well to competition. And then you have some people who don't have that positive response to competition. And you've got to decide what kind of person you are because it's all about perspective, right? What is the competition for and what are you taking it as? What, what is your goal with regards to this competition? So that could be an online competition. That could be a box competition. When the quarantine hopefully ends one of these days in 2032, we can try and see if there's going to be a competition outside where we start to see real people. But perspective is everything. And I think competition is very, very healthy if you understand where you are and you're attacking a goal in a positive manner. So, for example, you've been doing CrossFit for one year. You get an online competition through LMS or whatever the case may be, or your local box doing a competition. Your goal is to hit every workout, is to make sure that you can RX everything, is to make sure that you can get through the competition without getting any injuries, these things are realistic goals, right? The problem comes in with most people where they've been doing CrossFit for a year or training for a year, and now all of a sudden they want to beat Jason Smith in a workout. And now they get upset because they haven't beaten Jason in a workout or they haven't been beaten a top-level athlete in a workout. So they hit the gym hard and they hit everything hard and they push themselves to that next level, okay? And we start to get people getting themselves into trouble physically because they've taken the competition the wrong way. The other negative that can come from it is that self-confidence. If you're expecting a certain result, you don't get that result, all of a sudden you're down, you're out, you're not motivated to train, you're not feeling good about yourself, it becomes a very negative journey. You need to understand where you're at. Some days you're going to be fantastic, you're going to be firing, things are going to work and you're going to have a great workout for your competition. Some days it just ain't going to happen. And some days you're going to go there with the best intentions and the workout is just going to, you're just going to fall flat. You need to accept this as well. Okay. It's going to tell you where you are at that point. And that's something you need to keep into, uh, keep in mind when you're doing these competitions. So for the most part, I'm all for it. I think it's a fantastic concept, but I think you need to make sure you are realistic about your goals and you understand for you as an individual, what you are trying to achieve with this competition. Then it's going to be a great journey for you. Carl? Am I supposed to go? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, look, for me, competitions have always been quite a positive thing because if you look at it from a gym perspective and a coach's perspective, it's quite a good thing. Uh, a competition in general, majority of people, if there's some sort of competition, people are more motivated to do stuff. Um, so you'll get more people at the gym more often. You'll get people more engaged in your community uh, all that kind of stuff, which is quite cool. As a coach, um, competitions are great because you tend to be able to give a member a like kind of like a check on where they are. So, you know, before they enter the competition or the Open's a great one for it because they always throw in that repeat. And most of the time, unless you've been doing CrossFit for a good couple of years, most of the time you manage to uh, do better than what you previously did in a workout that's come up in the Open before. So it's always a good motivator for members to see um, to, or to get that perspective 
of where they've come from and where they are now. And I think for most people, um, there's not a lot of things that you do on a daily basis that they can turn around and say, oh, well, I'm better at that. But if, if there's a concrete uh, workout or competition where they're doing better and consistently, then it's always a good motivator for people. But I think like Nicholas says, it can have a very negative connotation. And I think as a person, you need to realize what your uh, mindset is. You know, if, if you're an overly competitive person, maybe competition is not the best thing for you because, you know, you, there's a good chance that you're going to overdo things. There's a good chance that you're going to overtrain. You're going to hurt yourself. Uh, you're going to push yourself to do things. And then obviously you're going to get negative about your result because if you're an overcompetitive person, generally you expect more from yourself than sometimes you can produce. Um, so I think your perspective is very, very important. I think on a, on a personal level, the competition that we've been running with the members and everything has kept everyone quite engaged, which has been quite cool. Um, I think LMS has been doing a great job with the stuff that they've been trying to do. Um, I just think it's, it's kind of, after a while, you, you, you kind of need to have something building up to a competition. You can't continuously have a big, long competition because people will eventually lose interest. But if you're working towards a goal, it's always a good thing. Again, just having that correct mindset when you do so is the determining factor, in my opinion, between it being a good experience and between it being a negative experience. Nosing from my side, um, you need to have fun with these things, um, especially for us, you know, mid-level athletes. I, I, we've all, some of us had competitive sporting backgrounds and you don't want to take that into a competition. You need to to tell yourself that you're doing this for fun. You're paying a lot of a lot of money monthly to be in the gym. Then you pay money to go to the competition. You don't need to do it if it's not fun. And if you can't get your mindset right to have fun with it, then there's no point in doing it. And I'm not saying doing something for fun doesn't mean you're competitive. You need to make sure that you differentiate competition and the serious mindset of winning and at all costs. Yeah. Um, and even with these, even with open, um, yes, we want to beat ourselves. We want to beat the guy next to you, but you can do it with a smile on your face. And uh, that is for me is the most important thing. Um, I, I remember seeing some top level athletes sitting under um, gazebos and others in the same final heat running around with their kids during the competition, you know, so there's perspective. The guy that ran around with the kids won that year. So basically it tells you that you don't need to be serious to win. And that's what I took from that. I, th I think the other, the other point to be made just on that last, last little bit is there's other much more important things that, you know, if your perspective is right, you're going to get value from, you know, talk about the open, for example, you know, we get, we get so obsessed and involved with, our times and how well we're going to do and repeats and all these type of things. But it's such a good experience to be involved in what everybody is doing in a general sense and feed off the vibe of the open. You know, for me, it's much more exciting to go to the gym on a Saturday and watch 40 people or 50 people throwing down, giving their best, cheering for people. That's much more of an enriching feeling than me standing with anxiety, trying to get a better time for my open score. And at the end of the day, none of us are games athletes in this environment, right? So what does it all mean, Basil? At the end of the day, you're going to have 
all of this stress and anxiety to finish 300th on the South African leaderboard. You know, is it really um, that important to take it so far? You know, and the other thing to be noted is that us as a German, us as coaches, don't give more stock to anybody who's more competitive than the next person. It doesn't change the way you are perceived or it doesn't change the way we work with you in a gym. It doesn't change the way people see you as a person. It's just a personal thing. So like Carl said just now is that if you have the right perspective, it's a fantastic tool. But if it's creating anxiety and sleepless nights and forcing you to cram skills to try and get better at something overnight and it's causing this anxiety in your life, it's not something for you. Well, I can't wait to compete against you guys again in 2030 when we're out of this lockdown. Um, but we're in 2030, I'll only be 18 and you guys will be 95, <laughs> so it'll be fine. In the, the Grandmasters uh, category. I'm curious to know what is on your television. What are you watching? Uh, did you guys watch Tiger King? I binged watched that all in one day. Watched the whole Tiger King no. <laughs> in one day. It was a brilliant show. Go and watch it. It's epic. I watched, uh, finished watching all the office all nine seasons. I'm busy on parks and recreation. Um, and modern family. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm a bit reluctant to watch tiger King. I know I should to catch up on all the latest memes and everything that are out there, but just trying to get into a show with a guy with an orange tan and a mullet. I mean, I might as well watch a Donald Trump rally, you know, but uh, for me, uh, it's been rewatching a lot of things, been watching things like new girl, been rewatching uh, big bang theory, modern family started watching Silicon Valley again. Uh, probably more anxiety than any workout trying to watch this show. Um, and there's a really cool show that ended a couple of years ago with The Rock. Anything with The Rock is pretty cool. It's called Ballers. Chalky, you might love it. Yeah, it's about, about football. Well, yeah. So that's probably something you'll enjoy because there's no sports. I mean, there was a bit of UFC the last weekend, which was phenomenal. Yeah. Don't know if you guys caught those fights. But apparently there's three weeks left of fights. So that's what I'm going to be aiming towards. Well, I've been watching uh, Paw Patrol and Monkey and Trump because I don't own the Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the game, my son. This is how it goes. It quickly transitions from Paw Patrol to Peppa Pig. Then you've got Dora the Explorer that comes on. We are busy on Storybots at the moment. So my daughter told me the other day, all the things that live in space. So I learned that the sun lives in space and aliens. Those are the two. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. We're going to end off this podcast, uh, as we always do, with one of Nick's legendary dad jokes. Nick, take it away. Uh, you know, you guys are funny, but uh, I got a confession to make. I'm a pretty funny guy myself. Okay, guys, the dad joke for today, particularly ridiculous. To the person who stole my selfie stick, you need to take a long look at yourself. <laughs> At what good. point? At what point do we allow someone else to say jokes? Because these are going to get bad. This is very bad. Well, Chalky, Chalky has license because he's a dad. Sorry, Carl, you made a point that you're 12 years old, so you don't have license to say dad jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to our Gym Owner Jams podcast. Keep an eye out for the next one coming soon.